I've been working on perfecting what would be the least pleasant thing to listen to a human eat on a podcast. And I think I am close. Least pleasant. So you're saying the most horrific. You'd have to hit all of the sonic like notes like you want a little bit of crunch in there but then a lot of slop like if we can audibly hear <laughs> something me, falling out of your mouth let me give you guys what i got here's where i'm at oh that's Ugh. an apple or a pear how do you eat do you tilt your head back and then <laughs> gobble here's the thing it's apple slices dipped in yogurt that has granola in it there we oh go oh my god so much texture. ding 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 <laughs> Perfect blend. My name is Justin McElroy, and I know the best game of the week. My name is Griffin McElroy, and I've pretty much got it in the back. My name is Chris Plant, and I'm here to win. My name is Russ Frostick, and I know the best game of the week. My name is Russ Frostick, and I what? spiked our audio. Was he changing gears? Like, a, he like was. an automobile? <laughs> no, more like My a very small bike. My name. Uh, yeah. This is the besties. Where we pit the newest, latest, greatest tiles of the week against each other in Mortal Kombat. Let's see which one. Reign Supreme, we then pitted against our current reigning champion to find out if we have a new game of the year. Chris Plant, what is our current reigning champion? Oh, I always forget it's it. It's FTL. We decided Oh, yeah, that game's week. hot. I th- I'm not used to it not being my game. Yeah, yeah, it's the game, FTL. That game's good. That game is hot. I spent... I came back from Japan, and I spent like 14 hours on the flight, and about half of that time was spent playing FTL. How, uh, time just flies how far by. have you gotten? I've uh, gotten to the final boss. Okay. Wait, on what difficulty level? Easy. Oh, don't even play it. <laughs> no, Why? Easy, I think easy is a lot more It's a good fun. way to learn the game. Ugh. It's a good way to learn the mechanics. Yeah, for a child. Uh, have you gotten to the final boss on normal? No, I've made it three quarters of the way through on normal. Uh, well, but you have no idea what the final boss is like. Yeah, because I'm taking my time. I'm enjoying the game. I'm enjoying the game. Mm. Anyway, fe- I just I- got... The final boss is brutal if you haven't gotten there yet. They uh, throw, like, 50 drones at you and, like, mega lasers. And Do people board you? People board you. Oh, I've gotten so much better at people boarding. Yeah, you I just go into I the still, med station. If someone gets on my ship, I just turn the computer off. No, just go into the med station. If you fight them in the med no, station, I, 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 I uh, pick the entire staff and just go in there and we'll pass all together. I, uh, I, my jam is to... to Dump all the oxygen out of the ship. Uh, that doesn't work. I, I tried that a lot, and all that does is make the well, ship a The secret is zone. you have to close all the doors, so they have to spend the time opening them. Yeah, you got to upgrade the doors. Yeah, if you upgrade the doors and you can you, – yeah, anyway. Um, so, so it takes them longer to get through upgraded doors so you can starve them out with the oxygen that way. Oh, that's uh, smart. Yeah, I, I tell you, I got to the final boss, and uh, I was – I got beat, and I was so like – Disheartened that I haven't been able to play the game since that was like a week. What ago. I just can't. It may. It was so like. I here's a pro tip. 
the bo final boss has phases, so don't waste all your missiles in the first phase. Yeah. That's something you should know because that that's how I screwed myself. But frankly, I made it to the final boss a second time, and I still just got annihilated on the second phase. The second phase is just brutal. Yeah. So, so. anyway, FTL's great. Uh, listen to last week's episode if you want to know more about that. Griffin, have you been playing it? Yeah, I played it a little bit. It's, uh, it's very, very difficult. It is. Try easy. Uh, it's a better way to learn. I wish uh, they had a baby easy mm -hmm. mode. Yeah, for, um, super, super easy. <laughs> it's called YouTube. You just watch it. <laughs> uh, Chris Plant, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Russ Freshtick, you're the commissioner this week. Who do you want to go first? Hmm. Let us go with Senor Griffin McElroy. All right. Uh, my game this week, I've been waiting so long to talk about it, is Little Big Planet for the PlayStation Vita. Oh, man. Yay. Yay. You've been uh, playing that for, like, here, months. Has anyone here played it? I yeah. have. Yeah. Um, it is exceptional. It is it is absolutely fantastic. I would be hard-pressed, other than maybe the Walking Dead games, to, to think of a game that I have just fallen in love with as much as this one. It's, it is because it's not just, like, a, a good game for the Vita and an important like game for the vita at this point in its life cycle it is probably the best console to handheld port in the history of video games like well, it's not a port i mean don't don't confuse the issue you're I, right. no, I, it, I, I know no i know what you're saying i, I, would, say, I would say adaptation the, okay it's fine. not an adaptation either people need to know it's a different game like, it is a different game it's not little big planet to vita time like it's right. it is a different i just sorry i misspoke it is the best like transition of a franchise from okay, that console works. handheld because Acceptable. whenever you think of that sort of transition you like the very first question that comes to mind is like well okay what did they have to cut out and in this case the answer is literally nothing um they added like it looks sharp as hell it has the same like super charming art style as little big planet all of the level creation tools are here and there's also like a ton of new ones including like touchscreen and tilt and rear touchpad support. Um, it just it uses all of the Vita's many many inputs very well. It's very efficient. It doesn't it doesn't waste any part of the Buffalo. Um, like you can use the microphone to record voiceovers for your characters in the game. You can use the camera to take pictures that you can then use for stickers to to add decorations to your levels or other levels if you want to grief people. Um, it is, I, I mean, it feels it feels really nice. Like the the conceptually, it is perfect for a handheld audience because none of the levels are super long. the The story levels are a little bit longer than the community made levels because they know how to use the. There's like a thermometer that caps how much stuff you can put in the in each level. Um, but the community levels, they they take you like five minutes to beat. It's almost like a WarioWare esque mindset for platforming because you just like keep going through these little bite-sized levels and like even though the game has well the game's officially been out for like two days now but um gamestop broke the the street date on it there's already like a ton of amazing stuff on there like every day i turn it on and there's new stuff waiting for me um but yeah it's just um I can't believe it's only been out for two days i think like i've been playing that game for they did send it very early this episode of The Best of These is sponsored by Aura Frames. All right, so you know there are a number of people in your life that are not necessarily the most technologically savvy. I'm sure immediately names jump to your mind. 
those are the sorts of people that you would say, oh, maybe they would want a digital picture room in their house, but they wouldn't necessarily be able to like set it up and get it working and add new pictures and stuff like that. That is where Aura Frames comes in. It's a digital picture frame that allows you to basically upload any photos that you have directly to the frame. You don't need them to do any work. In fact, you could even set it all up before they even open the box. You have the account set up. You just have to connect it to their Wi-Fi. And once that's done, everything happens over the internet. So you can add new photos, you can do whatever you want, and it all works completely smoothly. I set it up for my grandmother, who's 95 years old. I set it up for my mom, who's 70 years old. And they both love their aura frames and they love seeing the pictures and new photos of the family all being added without them having to do anything. So I'd highly recommend it. I'm really, really happy with it. And right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BESTIES. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code BESTIES. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah. So I, I do want to bring up one thing. Um, I, I'm a very big fan of the Vita as, as hardware, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of game software makers... Uh, have been smart about the hardware insofar as not demanding that you utilize every part of the buffalo, as you said. Yeah. Um, honestly, I sort of think that things like backtouch are awful and should be abolished from the planet. Mm. And I find that in uh, Little Big Planet Vita, at least for the campaign, I haven't messed too much with the um, community levels yet. They force you to use a lot of the features that drive me up a wall. Like, I was really enjoying, like, just the normal platforming stuff. And, like, mm-hmm. a little bit of the front touch is totally fine. But, like, every other level, it's like, now you're rolling things by tilting the screen and stuff like that. And that kind of bummed me out. I still feel like the story mode is mostly just the same platforming stuff. I, I don't know. I feel like they work specifically rear touchpad. I think, really, the only thing they use that for is to push things forward towards the screen. Because it still has the same three-layer platforming style that the other little big planet games have um that's that's really the only thing that they use that for and i don't think that's ham-fisted at all Uh, i think some of the front screen stuff i feel like is really inspired like you get a uh, a helmet that shoots rockets and then you can steer the rockets with the touch screen um which is is really neat like some of the boss fights that they work that into are, are really very clever I was just left thinking, like, you could have just done that with the analog stick or given people the option. Yeah. What, what was the name of that black and white game that came out right at launch that everybody was so excited about? Black, escape black and white. Escape plan. I, a third of escape plan was doing that silly touch the back of the uh, Vita to push out the block mm-hmm. scenario. And it was atrocious. And it made me think this whole back of the pad thing just doesn't even work like you can't even program it well because these guys had to do three things and they couldn't do that one uh and i was shocked with little big planet while like russ i don't technically enjoy it that it at least worked like when i needed to make my way across a level on the first try i could do it uh like it registered appropriately and the same was with the user levels we're like i i was more impressed technically that they appear to have gotten it right where if you want to do it, it's not a total pain. It's like fine. 
and it, not necessarily it, enjoyable. It lets you do cool stuff both in in the create mode, like the rear touchpad. It is used to move the camera around, which in other Little Big Planet games, like if you are placing a block, if you're like shaping something, you have no control over the camera. It's just sort of centered on what you're making, which is kind of annoying. In this game, you can look like move around with the camera, look at what you're like look at the other stuff surrounding what you're creating while you're creating it. Like it's a really helpful tool. And it also leads to some cool gameplay stuff. Like did you guys play the level that I made? No. Yes. <laughs> the, the the shooting the people who control things. You you yeah, you shoot clones of yourself out of your head and then you control yourself with the basic controls, but you also move them around using the touch screen. Really? And so there are these parts of the mm-hmm. level that like you have to control yourself to open up gates for the other person to move around to to manipulate stuff in your environment and stuff like that like one player co-op like that's not possible without the extra without the extra control and you created that yeah there was only like one real problem with that level in that it didn't have enough michael keaton Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's if I'm true. gonna if I'm gonna play a multiplicity game, I want you know Keaton I took a picture it. of his face and put it in the level, but uh, I got a, a cease and desist, <laughs> desist from, from, the from Michael state. Keaton. Um, but no, that's like <laughs> excuse me. There are people who are making really genuinely cool shit like that, like every day. It, it really is like the best selling point for the Vita's like crazy, otherwise extraneous features. Um, and like I, I, I think it is probably the first killer app for the Vita in that regard. Yeah. So that's Their a little community bit is so I'm, nice. I'm too. going to play this game f- like Forever. I can't see myself ever stop because because Little Big Planet two I played that for like a year and a half. Just that that back. was your gotya, right? Huh? That was your gotya. Yeah, that was my that was my game of the year when it came out, and this one like the same things I loved about Little Big Planet too, like being able to come back to it and have basically 20 games worth of levels waiting for me, like to have that mm. in a portable thing, like I am never going to get on a plane without it. Yeah, can so can you, um, so you can download like a ton of levels and you don't need a net connection yeah, to play them? Yeah, you can stream the, so Little Big Planet PSP, that was the only thing you could do, which was kind of annoying, but now you can either stream the levels like you do with basic Little Big Planet, or you can download them and then just have them for later, which is okay. a, a really Ooh. neat feature. Is it disc-based, or can I get it through the PSN? You can PSN. Do you can, I have yeah. it on PSN because it seems like, it seems like, like I said, like I'm always going You'll to always want have it. it nearby. Yeah. So, And you can take pictures of your junk and put it all over your level if you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you can make a <laughs> level. Yeah. Lovely. Uh, I think next up is Mr. Plant. What do you got, Mr. Plant? I got a little ditty called Torchlight 2, which is the sequel to Torchlight 1, which is the, some, like, not a sequel to Diablo 2. It's not a sequel. It's like inspired inspired by Diablo 2, which is a lot of names of games that I hope you get the reference to, so this will make a lot of sense. Uh, It's an action RPG. Uh, You play it from the top down. You build up a character who's a hero. And you go from dungeon to dungeon, clicking, clicking, clicking lots of things, and collecting the loot. Those things drop after they perish. Uh, There's a bad guy at the end. And it is super, super addictive. It's like the comparison that I can make uh, to capture the essence of playing this game is the joy of opening a letter from a loved one that has come from some far-off country mixed with uh, cracking open a beer can 
uh, and popping bubble wrap all at the same time. I don't have that many hands. It's just what it, it's like, it's like, you're, you're like, you're like, it's like, it just feels, texturally it feels good, and the sound that like, is like, perfect every time you click, and then I'm, you just keep getting little gifts. I am a, uh, I'm a recovering alcoholic, and also a bubble wrap addict. <laughs> bubble wrap. And he has no family. <laughs> yes, and my family has never written me a letter. <laughs> that was um, my favorite episode of The West Wing when when Leo has to deal with his bubble wrap addiction. <laughs> you never just want to pop one. Yeah, I don't understand people who can just pop one bubble. The sound of that. The, the, the sound of the that pop. That's what rubbing I rubbing against the plastic. <laughs> uh, Russ is dying. Oh, I'm sorry. I just watched that episode. It's really funny. <laughs> so it's really hitting you. Uh, it's really is. hitting you as spot. Directed wa- right at me. Right at my heart. Luckily, I've, I watched that episode like six times. So <laughs> Last night. Much like every episode of The West Wing. <laughs> uh, I do. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Plant. Uh that's I mean it's, it's a very simple game to describe. What I liked about it is usually these games are set in very dark uh settings, like just gritty dungeons with lots of black and dark browns and maybe a little bit of red. Uh and they're not places I want to hang out. I'm also not really into high fantasy, uh like dragons and oaks and ogres and Where's an oak? Like a tree? Oaks, oaks, oak trees and fir trees. Um <laughs> And what I appreciate about this game is it's, like, very charming, and they do other types of fantasy. Like, an entire after the game is set in the desert, and which is not particularly wild, but they choose to kind of go about it in different ways. So there's a lot of references to uh, Arabian Nights, uh, just to, like, turn-of-the-century Egyptian excavation, excavation. They go to different source material other than kind of the typical fiction fantasy rack that you find at your bookstore another example is uh the third act is the most traditional you know murky swamp uh and you know dank forest uh and rather than going to tolkien they go to hans christian anderson stories uh and kind of like 1920s pulp writing uh which is i i think just it's a richer source. I I don't play that usually. Like, there's Get it, lots of color. You can read. Jesus. What? No, Christ. no. I'm just saying. There's lots of color and there's lots of bright lights and there's lots of interesting things to see other than like green ore. of torture. You're just clicking, <laughs> and then you stop eventually. Yeah, but you're clicking like the meaning of like life, right? <laughs> How do you feel I, about Trojan women? Yeah, Russ is mad at me because I thought the Trojan women was a play that everyone had to read in school, and apparently y'all are idiots. Yeah, every day uh, of Chris Plant's life is just to prove that he went to college. Was no, that, was that <laughs> Mammoth? It's like I went to high school. Yes, he has Mammoth. He wrote it during the 300 BC era of Mammoth. Was that Euripides? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Euripides. Oh, there is not a way to say his name that doesn't make you sound like a dipshit. Mammoth or Euripides? Euripides. Euripides. Um, yeah, do you have any questions about the game? Yeah, so uh, a lot of people didn't like Diablo 3 for a number of reasons. Did you play Diablo 3 at all? Yeah, I did with you, remember? No. I don't think we've ever played Diablo 3 together. Are you kidding? We played it at the airport. Oh, for like right. The beta, hours. the beta. You never played the final one. Yes. Um, why do you think... Because so a lot of people are obviously making comparisons because... Here's my defense of... Torchlight over Diablo 3 as someone who did not play Diablo 3 beyond the beta. Okay. So take it with a pretty big grain of salt. Um, 
you can one choose any difficulty you want at the start so you can pick a hard a very hard difficulty right off um two it's only twenty dollars uh which i think is a valid argument uh three lots and lots of color which uh i i think that's like that goes a long way if i'm gonna spend that much time in a world i want it to be a place that i'd like to be i Um, have an I, I have a question about Torchlight 2. Go on. I played Torchlight 1, and uh, my biggest complaint that I had with it was that I found, and maybe this is like was like just me, and I'm about to be really embarrassed, but no. I found it structurally pretty hard to um, understand. Like, okay, the, get, the, get, that, get a hang If you're talking about it. the story, you don't don't no. go into it for that. But if you're no, talking I don't about mean just the story, I mean like going to that same spot over and over again, going deeper and deeper into the. Yeah, I, I found yeah. it kind of hard to understand. I, I guess, or keep track of. I totally understand. Um, oh, this will be good for Griffin. So they've they changed it up. Now it's three acts. Really, kind of like three and a half because it's a video game, so it doesn't know when to end. Uh, but you start in different kind of hubs. Now there's not just one hub. There's multiple hubs, and these hubs will have a specific areas. So you're kind of like it's more like a road trip, where. Oh, you've you've killed everything in the forest. Oh, where will you go kill next? How about the desert? And then you go there, and it's like you've killed the whole entire desert but to the mines. <laughs> and once you've like there's, extinguished there's still the something world, living organic yeah. material still exists uh, in the mines. But the best part is the the way you know you've killed everything is at the very end you fight a boss, uh, and then the boss perishes. And then a giant Pokemon appears, and the Pokemon talks to you. <laughs> He's like, oh, I am the Pokemon of Ember World, and you have saved me. It seems like a big spoiler. What? It's not, because it happens so early, and they're everywhere. These, like, goofy-ass Pokemon, for no reason, are in do this you, world. Do you catch them? No, you don't catch them because they're majestic. Why are you saying they're Pokemon? Because they're, they're untrainable Pokemon. You cannot husband these animals. There's no such thing as untrainable Pokemon. Yeah, you know what an untrainable <laughs> Pokemon a, is? That, an untrainable a, Pokemon is just a, an animal. It's no, it's, a, what, no, what about Mewtwo? That cat had sass. You can train Except you Mewtwo. can f***ing catch and train him. <laughs> Dolt. <laughs> he uses Psybeam. Uh, I think he agrees to be with you. It's more of like an agreeable partner. Dad, if I put that in my master ball, he is mine. He's, no, it's indentured servitude, which is very different than capturing someone. There's no such thing as an untrainable Pokemon. There's only an undisciplined master. Exactly. Oh. Oh, so. <laughs> um, I have a confession to make. I don't think I like this type of game. And it doesn't make sense to me because RPGs are like my jam. They're like my favorite genre of video game. Do but you feel like you're wasting time when you're playing it? Is that I the problem? F- it is so... There is nothing compelling to me about clicking on stuff to get more loot, which I know is a total double standard because that's kind of what a lot of RPGs are. I What what is dumbfounding to me, I played, I played a few hours of Diablo 3. I played probably eight hours, I would say. Okay. And the whole time I was just waiting to fall in love, and it never happened. And from what I've played of Torchlight... Like, the same thing happened. Diablo 2, the same thing happened. I played a Torchlight 2 demo at an event that was the most, like, mind-numbing. It was embarrassing. I, like, was going up against a final boss just, like, clicking on it for 15 minutes. And, yeah, like, my there's... appointment ran over. And I was like, I have to go. Like, I can't beat this. I'm sorry. I have to leave to go to my next I can't believe they demo it like that. But here's the thing about Torchlight 2 uh, that I, I felt differently about this than any of these games 
especially Torchlight 1, which I did not particularly like on console when I played it. Uh, in Torchlight 2, there were actual tactics, uh, and they were like very specific to your class. So I played a, a rogue, basically, uh, who specialized in the dark, the dark magic. I could raise creatures from the dead. Uh, and I found that, one, you, you have like eight or nine different enemy types that'll show up at one time. So you can have these Goliaths and these like tiny, small little creatures that'll like get through any barricades and trudgers and all these other things. And I would use basically like one power, like a bramble wood, that would put a thorny, poisonous vine uh, behind me. So I could basically create uh, corridors that these creatures would have to walk in by using this power. And then at the front of that, I would set up a flank of six skeletons that would fire arrows into that. And then I would send a bouncing uh, explosive typhoon down the corridor, which would, it goes through as many enemies as it can get in a certain amount of feet. So I found. I was actually using the resources available to me to create tactics, which I've never done in those games. Like, towards the end, I wasn't clicking so much as I was, like, using my hotkeys to cast very specific spells to kind of manage the battlefield. Yeah. And I'm sure you could still beat it with just clicking mindlessly, but it was, like, it was surprisingly enjoyable to find ways where I could manipulate the surroundings to kind of, like, just destroy people with, you know, three or four really well-placed moves. I think maybe my my big hang up comes with how sort of fast everything like how how you're not just killing like one or two monsters at a time. I yeah, think yeah. the focus on like like tearing through huge mobs of people like that has just never really appealed to me. Which again, like it's hard for me to smack talk Diablo and be a World of Warcraft fan, but at the same time, I feel like that like the tactics are much more. Like you're well, usually you're basically all, like one target at a time and one target and at a wow. time. Everybody working together, like a lot of like threat coming off that target. A lot of like meticulous planning and and teamwork. Like I I kind of like I guess maybe I just like a slower game <clears> where like when I kill something, I'm like yeah we did it and instead yeah, you, of like well one down four thousand. You want go. a slower, more panda oriented game? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just I've always had a problem with the these sorts of games because it, I I mean at at every level pretty much every video game is um you know click or on or push this button until you get the reward. Um but that that game the, the this type of game seems to be like the least the most obvious um you can see through the systems the quickest I think to where you realize like or at least for me like it doesn't take me long at all to realize. I never get into its spell. Like I just always feel like I'm just doing this to keep doing it, you know. And it, and it it's not yeah. actually. I mean, that's why I haven't played Diablo, just because I didn't want to put a lot of time into something that is a lot of cooking. But I mean, I I that'll that'll be the question I guess I have to ask myself is did I enjoy this because I played it for review and you know I knew I was going to finish it, uh, or is this something I would have committed? all that time to if I had just picked it up. And I still think, I think, it, I think it's the latter. I still think I would have played through it just because it's like, maybe it's just a game made for me with all the douchey references I made. But <laughs> it's just amazing, like, it's amazing that there are all these settings in this game and even the side quests are totally different. Like, you'll be in the middle of a bright field and there'll be a lamp and you'll just decide to light it. And out of nowhere, a ghost ship will appear and you'll get on this ghost ship and suddenly you'll be in a totally different world. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, no, that sounds lovely. And I would say, uh, I, I think for someone 
you know, I think we've all been in a situation where we're reviewing a game and getting to the end is just torturous. So the fact that you reviewed it and got to the end and we're still having a good time. Is and still I'm going back to play it and, again. Yeah, and are still playing it. That's a good sign for that. Y'all, you already know how much I love our sponsor of the week, Rocket Money. They make it so easy to get your personal finances on track especially stop worrying about all these subscriptions that you have that you don't necessarily need. Keep the ones you want, get rid of the rest. Here's how it works. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. That might sound too good to be true. I have tried it myself on multiple different monthly payments I have and it's worked, which is incredible and so much easier than getting on the phone with all these companies and trying to wrangle this yourself. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. So cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash besties. That's rocketmoney.com slash besties rocketmoney.com slash besties you go get a phone you just want a phone to talk to your friends and family you're not asking so much then you get these contracts and you get ripped off because you got all this fine print little details and all of a sudden they're sucking money out of your pocket like some sort of digital leech you know the contract may sound good uh, up front but there's always some sort of catch you know who's not going to do that to you not going to pull that nonsense mint mobile they're wireless plans. There is no catch. $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those savings directly on to you. You want to pay hundreds of dollars for, like, literal hundreds of dollars for your wireless plan? Or you want to have a nice, easy solution, save some, put the bucks back in your pocket, pay 15 bucks a month. Say bye your overpriced wireless plans jaw-dropping monthly bills the unexpected overages sound familiar to get this new customer offer and get your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month go to mintmobile.com besties that's mintmobile.com besties cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com besties additional taxes Fees and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Cool. Um, let's take a little break. What's been going on? How you doing, I want to hear about your trip. Uh, I went to Japan. What's like the craziest thing? About Japan? Like, what's the craziest thing that happened? Did you see any I of the racist about... record shops? No, but I saw some really awful... So, um, Mike McWhorter of Polygon... Uh, has been there many times, and so he sort of guided me around, um, you know, Akihabara and Harajuku and, and sort of all the big haunts of Tokyo. And um, he did, uh, I think just to see the horror in my face, take me into probably the most horrific manga store. I've, like, I can't even fathom. My brain is scarred. What was by so the... horrific about it? I can't, I don't it even want to It wasn't manga, it was hentai. 
Yeah, no, it's manga. It, I had, I hey, guess well, it can be both. Yeah, that, that'd be like saying, like, I went to a movie shop, and you're like, it was horrible. And it was like, was there no, pornography there? No, it was like a there? comic. Yeah, it was just a porn shop. Yeah, it was, but it was only comic porn. Yeah. Like that's hand-drawn. That's what hit, well, sure. Anyway, it was horrible. Um, but Japan, on the whole, like, amazing food. Like, you can go into any, like, crappy, it looks like a greasy spoon, like, hole in the wall. And you'll just get, like, amazing, like, noodles and beef bowls and, uh spectacular beef bowls um the trains are very crowded that uh rumor is true i um had a very intimate experience with a total stranger just because you know it was not my choice but she happened to be like all up in my steez because there was absolutely nowhere to go mm-hmm. so she and it was you know was it like lost in translation this this encounter we did i did whisper something to her at the end of the train yeah, ride was but it, i won't you tell like, you what it was was it like hey you're standing <laughs> yes <that's laughs> something like I that said. something something similar to that um and then uh yeah so tokyo was very cool and i hung out with um you know friends of the show cheapy d and the um eight four guys who were very very cool mm-hmm. uh and then at the end of it we um well not at the end of it sort of in the middle we uh you know tokyo game show started in earnest and tokyo game show is a very weird show especially <laughs> these days because there's really not a whole lot of games there that like people outside of Japan would give two shits about. So it makes covering it really tricky and finding like games that sort of have a more global appeal to them. Where are all your cosplay picks? Uh, I didn't see too many cosplayers, what? surprisingly. Did you not go to the, the courtyard? I did, I, oh, no, I guess oh. I didn't go to the courtyard. You're Whoops. fired. Yeah, that's creep town. Um... Yeah, uh, I do how want to mention to again. Charm, how am I supposed to charm my butter if you're not delivering me the cosplay picks? Oh my word! Um, I need. Four I do want to mention Yunas. again. The... I need four units on my desk by the morning and two Rikus. <laughs> hey, wouldn't it be okay? Here's a free game. You ready? Okay. Pokemon Snap. Okay. Meets cosplay. Uh that has to already exist. In it seems the like it would be the game market. Best. Yeah, it has to, right? It has to it's be like, like you're on the subway and yeah. people are beneath you. Well, well speaking great. of, I was in. Uh, you're talking Oc- about upskirt picks. Yeah, that's those so games actually, are no, just cool here. Justin is talking about going around a game convention with a camera and throwing <laughs> throwing apples at people in costume. <laughs> oh, hey, well, this, hey. this is important hey. actually. So apparently in Japan, there's like a whole um, polite like system where you throw an apple on a girl well sort of with regards to taking pictures of uh, cosplayers so apparently um you can't take a picture from the side if you do they'll yell at you and cross their arms in front of you in front of them so you don't take a picture of them there are it's like it has to be very precise so you have to wait in line and like stand in front of them and make sure they're looking right at the at your camera otherwise you will honestly you'll just get like annihilated by I don't know, some character I don't recognize, <laughs> but uh, Ranma, Ranma, perhaps. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there's a lot of like uh, cultural uh, drama that you need to worry about. I also saw a no upskirting uh, sign in the subway. So Much well, I'm glad that that's necessary. Sign. They are they are being uh, they're trying to take the bull by the horns and really How take care of the situation such a with signs. Huge cultural phenomenon. What taking upskirt pictures? Subways are all over the place. Why in Japan do they have to worry that much about men taking pictures of ladies 
Because for many, many years, they were a sexually repressed culture. And so now that their uh, wings are starting to spread, sometimes their excitement <laughs> comes out in wow. different ways. I didn't I've know also that. got an NYU talk going on about this and a TED talk scheduled later this month. So definitely tune in. <laughs> Uh, oh man, I feel like I've learned so much about the Japanese culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm basically um, Butcher's Butcher's Golly over here. <laughs> Can we shut this down? Oh, I guess yeah, we have another game. We have one more. We game. have one more oh, game. Man. from Mister. <laughs> gotta talk about it. Justin McElroy solving right. mysteries. I'm not gonna win. What's your game? It stinks, right? It no, it doesn't. Stink. It's What's your sure. game? It's the Testament of Sherlock Holmes. Testament of Sherlock Holmes is a game. And in it, you are Sherlock Holmes, but sometimes John Watson, but sometimes they're dogs. Wait, what? are you really the dog? Yes. Wait, is this oh, the God. game that you spoke of briefly during E3? Yeah. Oh, uh, it finally E3 came out. E3 a year and a half ago. Yes. Um, so the Testament of Sherlock Holmes, uh, there's a, the mystery... It's kind of hard to explain without uh, ruining anything, but there's a... a it's bishop. Moriarty. It, they're <laughs> getting ahead of me, Junior. Uh, the bishop <laughs> is, uh, is, is murdered, and uh, Sherlock is on the case. And he acts really weird, and you don't know why. Um, you find out later. Uh, and so I played... I found out about Sherlock uh, during an E3 appointment for this game in E3 2011. Um, so I thought, God, they've been making all these Sherlock Holmes games. I'm going to go back and check out the last one they did. So I played uh, Sherlock versus Jack the Ripper. That game was really cool. Um, there's a, it, it is a very well-constructed story just because it has to be to follow the events of Jack the Ripper. Um, so much of it is laid out for them, uh, and and it has some actual cool twists in it, and it's also really good for, like, just sort of that sort of virtual tourism thing. They really capture, like, the spirit of what you might imagine it to be like in Victorian England in that period. You go to, like, you know, you spend most of your time in Whitechapel and, and things like that. Was it Moriarty? Uh, no, it was Jack the Ripper. Uh, so... That game was pretty good, and I was excited about Testament. Um, it, it is just not... So the basic flow of the game is you're going from location to location, and you're doing very little actual deduction. You know, what, you're, what you're usually doing is um, solving weird puzzles. Like, everyone in London in this time period apparently had esoteric puzzles guarding their... They were um, all the Riddler. Yeah, right. Everyone in... England was the Riddler. No, it's like and, Professor Layton. Um, no, except yeah, except all the puzzles are very few of the puzzles are like um, at, require actual brain power. They're more mischievous. They're more like um, once you realize it, it's like those uh, slide puzzles. Don't you hate those? Like oh you know, yeah, they're lock in one corner and you and you know what has to happen. It's just a question of like. Oh, I guess I just got to fiddle with this thing until I get it. That's the kind of puzzles we're talking about. Um, and again, they were better in the last game. Uh, you do some deduction where, like, you find a bunch of clues and you have to tie those clues together and make some conclusions about them. But the conclusions are always so crazy um, that, that it's it's hard to follow their logic. Uh, so you don't really feel like Sherlock Holmes. You just feel like a guy that got lucky. Uh, the Some of the acting is good. The... 
dialogue is is okay. Is um, it FMV acting? No, no, it's all oh, f that. Well, they're actually. It's funny that you mentioned that because this week also saw the release of Sherlock. Uh, the the Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective on the iPad, um, which were FMV games originally on the Sega CD, and they've revamped the video. And I played those actually right after Sherlock Holmes, uh, Testament of Sherlock Holmes. Wait, did and, you kickstart this? Uh, no, no, because okay. it didn't get funded. Uh, <laughs> so uh, the uh, the Testament of Sherlock Holmes, uh, sorry, in Consulting Detective, you are actually going to location location. You're interviewing people. You're listening to their story. You're looking for uh, incompatibilities with things you've heard before. And trying to actually deduce the answer to the the puzzle that's set before you, the the, the mystery, and there's so little of that, and 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 it's so in in testament, it's such a shame that this uh this you know whatever 15, 20 year old uh, Sega CD game is a better representation of you know that feeling of being Sherlock, but it but it totally is. So um, it's hard for me to recommend Testament of of Sherlock Holmes. Uh, to any but the the hardest core of Sherlock fans or fans of the series, but um, it's inoffensive. It's just a lot of missed opportunities. Can also, we... it's all, they they lie in that marketing campaign, or they they bend the truth as far as you can bend without breaking. How so? Because the advertising makes it sound like it's an open world Victorian. Game. Well, I and mean, it, it's open world in the it, sense that you can go. You can choose one of like four locations. To yeah, to but like when I'm watching that trailer, I'm thinking like. Oh my gosh! This is like GTA in Victorian England. So it's more this like Carmen be San Diego. Awesome. That it is actually not that far off. Uh, oh. I want to hear more about Sherlock's dog. Okay, so Sherlock's dog is named Toby, and in one level, wait, isn't your cat named Toby? No, my cat used to be named Toby until it turned out that he was a girl. So now my cat's named Emilia. Is the dog ever like, oh, I smell a clue? <laughs> no, but that's not like, he doesn't say that, but he sees Toby a of spit a out that bone. That's evidence. I'm sorry. <laughs> when he sees I'm the sorry, murderer, do his ears flop up straight on edge? Uh, I mean, it's really as like. Oh, where'd this you... poor woman's head go? <laughs> you follow stink lines, like, stink lines for fifteen minutes. Sherlock, eventually... something's carved into this woman's stomach. You Whoa. eventually get to a doorknob, and uh, <laughs> it's actually awesome because you start the level as Toby. You run around, you jump, you know, you jump over a pile of of boxes, and you <laughs> climb up this thing, and you flip a switch with your snout, and then you run over here, and then you do this thing, and then it ends up. With Toby scratching at a doorknob for for Sherlock to come open it and investigate. And the doorknob is, like, literally five feet from Sherlock. Like, he was looking at <laughs> it the whole time. I don't know what the dog did. Um, but, it, but Sherlock does some really messed up things. He, at one point, I'm not making this up. At one point, he feeds an opium addict uh, ashes mixed with dirty water to make him puke. Like, yeah, well, that's good because he was gonna die from the opium, right? No, no, no. He just needed a distraction so he could steal the keys in his <laughs> opium den. What a dick! Yeah, he's a real jerk. At one point, he there's this woman who's a secretary in a prison, and she is pregnant with one of the guards' children, and they're they're terrified that, that her dad will find out because he might 
uh, fire the guy and beat her mercilessly for getting pregnant. And for no reason that I can discern, Sherlock fully tells the dude that that uh, she's pregnant and who the father is. Like, did you did you select that option though? No, no, no. He just did it. I wouldn't have selected that option. <laughs> He's a detective. They, he's got to share his secrets. He's got. He, he has a compulsion. <laughs> he's to share he's his promoting secrets. his personal brand. <laughs> uh, all right, so that's Sherlock. I don't know. That's, Go ahead, Russ. Sounds like it's gonna win. Yeah, but maybe. it's not because Torchlight's gonna win. Uh, no, yeah, come on. Yeah, Torchlight wins. That's horse apples. You didn't I even pl- didn't even give I us a played... chance to argue it. Give us a chance to argue it. Okay, fine. Uh, Justin. No, because obviously you're going to be very receptive (laughs) to what we have to say. With me, I would rather, uh, I would rather, if if we're, I would rather throw my considerable weight behind Little Big Planet. You're not allowed to. Brothers. The brothers. Now I'm just better than clicking 2.0. Now click in color. And with veiled uh, references to Hans Christian Andersen. You have to defend your game, Justin. Wow. Yeah, I'm sorry. The two people who say they don't like the genre and don't like our torch light, what a surprise. Okay. Okay, fine. Uh, so Justin votes for his own game, the dog game with Sherlock. <laughs> and Griffin, you describe how awesome your game is with back touch. Is that the is the really the only reason you don't care I for played it? A lot sometimes of it. you have to touch the back of the console. I played a lot of it and and I found it basically to be the same as Little Big Planet one and two, but with back touch. Here's I here I'm I'm willing to make a compromise here. I'm gonna broker a deal. It doesn't uh, matter because I what well, I say no, is law. Well, no, I'm, I'm, this is for this is for Griffin's vote. Okay. Uh, I think I would vote for Little Big Planet if we can agree FTL is is the better game. Long-term. Oh no way! Yeah. What? Wait, what? It, Wait, you can. What? You guys can vote for whatever the f- you want. It's gonna be me making the decision. So yeah, I was. I was just. I was just helping you get this with your week. documentary. Oh no no no! I don't. I'm. I'm not gonna. I mean, I'm Democracy not going to compromise like that. Say. It's it's a much better game than FTL is. You are a maniac, Russ. It's you're the commissioner. This is your. Yeah, I know. I'm ending this. Shit. Okay. Uh, Torchlight wins. Little Big Planet. If you played the first two and don't like back touch, you should probably not. Play you this. are a fucking <laughs> imbecile. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, no, I will say I didn't uh, hate Little Big Planet Vita, and I think especially if you haven't played the other ones. This is a good one to get because it doesn't really require playing the other ones, and it's fun. It's like a fun, and there aren't a ton of games on Vita. But sorry, it doesn't of... reference more classic literature that nobody's ever heard of. <laughs> I trust me, that is not why Russ voted for my game. My favorite level in Torchlight is the one where you wake up as a bug. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so congratulations, Torchlight Two. Um, there I think, are flying cockroaches in the game that throw spears. Just yeah, so and do knows. they have uh, humanity issues? Oh, not really. You're not really sure whether they're, they're a bug or they're just an old man who's no relevant in his family. It's okay. Mm, good times. Uh, are there witches and stuff like that? Or <laughs> yeah, yeah. How deep are we going? Yeah. Okay. So, Torchlight, congratulations. Uh, does anyone think that FTL is not as good as Torchlight? I don't know. This is, this is certainly an interesting tr- trial. That's another Kafka joke. Okay, no, we're gonna we're gonna finish this off. Uh, Griffin, what do you think is Torchlight better than FTL? <laughs> um, I think FTL is a much better game than Torchlight. Yeah. Okay, That's anyone else question. agree with him? Yeah, yeah, it, it's obviously better. I also agree. So yeah, FTL okay. continues its reign. Congratulations, FTL. 
Thank you to everybody for listening to our podcast. If you would take a moment to subscribe on iTunes and write us a review there. I've never checked, but I'm I hopefully we have some. You can oh, read I'm looking now. Half a star. Half a star <laughs> overall score. No, half we have many positive reviews. Thank you for the people who have done it. We don't uh, want to besmirch their effort. We uh, we we uh, are also write things about video games at theverge.com forward slash gaming. No, yeah, gaming. Uh, uh, and not we're going to have our own website like in a week or two or three or four or five or six. And that's polygon.com. Hey, they should find us on youtube.com forward slash polygon and watch the documentary series too. Yeah, we got a documentary series about how dope we are. Nope. And uh, everything else is great. So just listen next week and shouldn't the world's best friends be the world's best games? Woo!